0: Hello, welcome to the Westside podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. Westside's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy and thanks for tuning in. If you recall, when I spoke last, we were in part two of a five-part series titled "Marked." We were reading in the Gospel of Mark. Except for one Sunday, we didn't read in the Gospel of Mark because we were in Acts. But, but one thing I wanted to ask you as we get started today: Have you noticed um, that at some point between childhood and adulthood, we lose the ability to express excitement? and enthusiasm and wonder. Now, is that just a Tom issue? Uh, but do you recognize the fact that there is a transition between being a child and being an adult where we lose this ability? We, we had uh, four kids, well, not had, we have four kids. <laughs> Two of those four are here today, and, and they said, don't introduce us, and so I'm not going to, but they're sitting pretty close to the lady in blue. <laughs> and, um, uh, so we had uh, three sons and a daughter. And so like when our sons would have their buddies over, it was insane. It was so crazy because they would run to each other and like there'd be arms flailing and throwing you know, tackles and yelling. And then they'd go to the trampoline, then they'd go to the trees and they were excited about everything all the time every party and then when our daughter had her girlfriends over there was another level of enthusiasm and yelling and kind of a piercing sound that (laughs) would be and they would disappear which was kind of nice but they would disappear and they would come out and they were like six years old when they went into the makeup parlor and then when they came out they were like 18 or it was just the craziest thing but so much enthusiasm well we don't do that much as we get older, you know, really expressive. We've got the guy thing, you know, like, hey, yes, yeah, up, bro? Mm. Yeah. Bam, bam. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's like it's so lame. <laughs> Anyhow, we just don't do a good job, I don't think, as we get older, about expressing joy and excitement and passion like we did as, as kids. So we're going to continue with a series titled uh, Marked. And we're looking at encounters people had with Jesus and how their lives were marked because they spent time in his presence or heard the ministry of his words. So before we read uh, today's text, which is going to be in uh, Mark 9, Mark 10, but before we read that, uh, let me give you just a little bit of context. Jesus and his disciples are kind of cruising, you know, um, sauntering through uh, Galilee, and Jesus... You see a little bit of his, not only his divinity, but you see his humanity. He kind of wants to move away from people. Anybody in here ever like, okay, I've had enough people for a little while. You know, I'm an introvert, actually. I don't know why God called me to this. I, I have no idea. My wife is an extrovert, and uh, it's, a, it's a marriage made in heaven. But still, the thing is, is that Jesus clearly indicates he's been teaching, he's been walking, ministering, and he just wants to kind of chill for a little bit. And he wants his disciples to go go with him. And in the midst of that, you know when it's time to rest and it's time to chill, guess who shows up? Kids. Have you ever noticed that? Kids, whether you have them or not. And you guys, this is the first time I've spoken like this since my surgery. So if I go down... Uh, somebody who's willing to preach in my... Thank you, son. I appreciate that. <laughs> so Jesus does his best to kind of pull away, and the children show up, and instead of getting frustrated with the kids, Jesus pulls them in close, and he uses them, not, not in a bad way, but he uses them as a point of illustration, an object lesson for his disciples. Now, if you've said yes to Jesus, you are one of his disciples. Amen? The story is about Jesus' relationship with his immediate disciples. But what he teaches are truths that we need to learn. And I hope that your hearts are... Oh, Laura, thank you so much. I'm supposed to do announcements? When do we start doing those at church? All right, we're going to do a little caveat here and shift over to announcements somebody remember where I was all right here's the thing there's connect cards and and uh flyers we appreciate your giving if you don't currently give please begin and do it faithfully because the health and life of the church depends on generous people amen Amen. and all the givers said amen good job There's a baseball game coming up, there's tickets for that. I think it's the Emeralds, I'm pretty sure, unless the Volcanoes are down here, which is really a good team from Kaiser. But you can buy your tickets out there. Uh, You guys will have a good time at that. We have a family reunion, and so we won't be able to go to the ball game. Uh, Laura, who was just up here, corrected me about the order of service that's not in order. She'll be out there to take your money. Oh, then it says, uh, oh, if you fill out one of those yellow things, You get a mug. Not if you already have a mug. Don't even think about that. But if you're new, you fill out one of those and you go get a mug. Kids, get some mugs. We need mugs. Okay, is that good, Laura? Thanks, kiddo. All righty. Here we go. You know, it's it's probably a good thing that we have an announcement, uh, an update on the transition Because I think I'm starting to fade pretty fast with the old brain here, so it's time to get rid of Tom. Anyhow, so here's where we are. Jesus is teaching his disciples, and we are his disciples, so we have to recognize that he's teaching us. And there's some critical things about maturing in our discipleship that we need to remember, many critical things. But one thing that I want to focus on today really is that Jesus... Wants us to let go of childishness, but not childlikeness. Is it just me that's hearing a ring, or is there a ring? Anybody else hear a ring, a little bit of a ring? Okay. If if I'm doing something wrong, John, just let me know where I'm supposed to move to. Uh, So anyhow, uh, there are some things to put behind us, that's for sure, as we mature. But there's things about childlikeness that we put behind us, and Jesus wants us to lay hold of those things. For example, childishness as an adult. My wife loves DQ soft-serve chocolate ice cream. Yeah, yeah, loves it. And and, um, if she wants it, we're going to get it. And then if they run out of it, childishness would give her permission to stomp her feet and yell and stuff like that. Well, she can't do that. You can't. I mean, I've witnessed it only one time. (laughs) We can't do stuff like that. I remember when it seemed like every week when our kids were little, one of them would leave the house. I don't know how they got out without any clothes on. It's cute when they're little. (laughs) We can't do that anymore. You follow what I'm saying? It's just not very cool at all. Anyhow, Jesus wants us to maintain uh, childlike characteristics. So today, basically, today's message is not only marked like a child, but it's how do we never, ever grow up? And uh, I I don't want to grow up, and I'm certain that sometimes my behavior here is evidence to you that I don't want to grow up either. But the first thing that I think we need to, uh, to learn and to embrace about never, ever growing up is that we, even if you say, well, I'm not a child person, we gotta hang out with children. We have to hang out with children. There is so much to be learned from children. So Jesus and his disciples are hanging out in Galilee and the Savior, he pulls some, some kids nearby. Okay. So he pulls some some kids nearby, and this is what the text says in Mark 9, verse 37, and he tells them, he's not necessarily telling the kids, he's telling them, those who are listening, his disciples, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. Look at the progression. Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name for the purposes of glorifying and edifying Jesus Christ uh, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me, the progression continues, welcomes not just me, I added that just word, but the one who sent me. So being like a child and welcoming children and hanging out with children is a progression in not only human relationship, but holy, heavenly, eternal relationship with both the Son and the Father. What's going on, Mason? I love kids. Love kids. All right. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. Maybe we need to be people who welcome children. Now, not just biological or whatever because of a career or anything like that, but we just welcome and hang out with children. Now, I do want to add a caveat to this, and that is that because I have lived quite a long time, (coughs) worked in ministry quite a few years, I have seen otherwise strong and healthy marriages absolutely tank because one or both parents actually thinks that the child or the children are to be the center of the family. That is not true. Oh, how dare you say that? Fine, you wanna go round and round? Here we go. (laughs) When God built the family unit, he put a husband and a wife together, and that's the family. And he blesses with additional ones. If for some reason, uh, you know, hobbies and activities and sports and cheer and band and dance and all that kind of thing, become so consuming that Jesus is moved out of his rightful place in the marriage, it's going to get on shaky ground. I know that's news that you don't like to hear, but it's true. It's true. And I'm not against kids. I think they're great. Hanging out with children are awesome, but it's not always convenient. I'll let you in on a family tradition. Our house where we spent most of the time raising our kids had had a wood-burning stove. Anybody old enough in here to heat with a wood-burning stove? Oh, yeah, there's a few, and some young ones too. So we had a wood-burning stove, and we had a fireplace with one of those ventilator deals, you know, the, whoo, blows the air out. Well, anytime time like the end of summer came around, fall started coming, you know, I'd be marching around, the house. hey, the winds and the rains are coming and the cold weather's on its way. And then a little bit after that, two cords of wood would show up in the driveway. It's family time. So it's time to stack the wood. I love stacking wood. But I love it more when the family stacks wood together. I mean, it takes three times as long, but it's still fun, right? (laughs) So, So Pam and I, we got our gloves on. The kids are out there, and they're excited for about that long. They are pumped. And so inevitably, you got one kid that finds something way more important than stacking wood, like a, a, a caterpillar. But this one called it a calipiter. So, so we got the distraction with that. And then you got one who's like so proud of the fact that they got three lightweight chunks of wood in the wheelbarrow, they go two steps and it tips over. And like, you know, the tears flow and it's, just, it's terrible. And then you got one kid who is monitoring the amount of work the other kids are doing. <laughs> Because it's got to be equitable, you know what I mean? And then, and then, at least in our household, you had one kid that would look you right in the eye, look me right in the eye, and try to reason with me as to why the job should be mine and mine alone. You know? So you know, it's, it's inconvenient. But we got to hang out with kids, whether they're our own or they're someone else's or they're kids from this community. We have a responsibility to hang out with kids so that we might um, be people who welcome them and just don't grow up. So how to never grow up, hang out with children. The second thing, how to never grow up is this, that we have to protect the innocence of children. I didn't say of my biological children, pardon me, my adopted children children in the general sense. We have a responsibility to protect their innocence. And I think Jesus took that pretty seriously. Um, So we read a little bit about it in verse 36. A child is brought and in their midst, and Jesus, I can just see him. Can you not uh, like just kind of bringing the child close. I'm kind of a hugger and toucher, and some of you freak out. I, I respect that, but there's something about drawing someone close that says, I love you, I care about you, you're protected, you're fine. And uh, so Jesus has got this child just tenderly ministering to him, but to the disciples, and then he speaks these words that seem a little bit incongruent with the context of the setting because in verse 42 of chapter 9, he says this, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, it's presumed, it's stated, these kids know I'm the Savior. It's very clear. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, here's the great news. It would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. I don't know if you, any of you use this word as you move through life, but there's a word called gnarly, and that's some gnarly language right there. Nobody listening to that was confused about what the Messiah was saying. He was saying, these kids have faith. If you cause them to stumble, Guido over here is gonna throw you into Haba. You see what I'm saying? It's pretty serious stuff. Yes. We have a responsibility, and that's kind of scary for me. And then even as I think about that, I'm going, oh, man, how many times did I do something stupid as a parent? Don't answer that. But <laughs> so many mistakes. I wish that I was perfect. I wish that well, Pam was, he really was pretty perfect. But, but the thing is, I think like, OK, so they spilled the soda pop. What do I do? I like have a conniption fit. It's not that big a deal or they ruin a pair of jeans, and I overreact. And the other thing that, that like weighs on my heart the most, because I'm a sinful man who is deeply in love with Jesus and in love with Pam, there, there, and my kids, there have been times when I might dishonor Pam over the years we were parenting and somehow teach the kids that that was okay. You follow what I'm saying? That just the sinfulness that can come forth. In our lives, everyone knew what he was talking about. To me, it seems like the Lord is saying, Look, just live a life all the time reflective of your love for me and my love for you and what God's word has to say about it. Take sin. Seriously, a couple of ways that we can protect the innocence of children. And I suppose even as I submit these to you, you might be, uh, have a preconceived notion. Oh, he's going to give us a list of things that we do for kids to protect them. That's not what I'm going to do. Because the first thing on the list about protecting the innocence of our kids is actually to keep watch over our own lives. Best thing. One of the best things we can do for our kids is to keep watch over our own lives. Now, uh, I'll be quick to say because it's a lot easier to be honest with you than to <coughs> try to uh, like try to fake you out. I, I am a sinner, saved by grace, married to a wonderful woman, have four wonderful children, but I have made plenty of mistakes, and the best way. Um, to move past that and to see God work not only on my behalf but on behalf of my household is for me to acknowledge my own sin. We have to be willing to do that. We want our kids to own up, don't we? We want our grandkids to own up. We have to be willing to acknowledge that, to ask for forgiveness. I'm gonna tell you a story that I have my daughter's permission to tell. Oh, did I? I, I didn't ask, okay. No, I did, I asked her permission. Okay, so whether you know it or not, working in vocational ministry, you, you, generally speaking, you don't make a lot of bank, okay? Can I just be straight up with you? You don't make a lot of money. There, I got someone who knows. And that's okay. But my daughter wanted ballet lessons. So I went to work for a farmer. I got a second job so she could do ballet. Isn't that noble? It's gonna go downhill from here. <laughs> so I get I get a job, and I think, what a great father! You're the best, you know. One of the one of the nights I take her, I, I don't know what's going on. Um, I, I don't I don't understand girls. I don't know what's happening, but I would just call it kind of a meltdown took place on the way uh, to ballet lessons, and you know I just. Didn't, didn't handle it very well. I might have been tired. I don't know. I might have just got off a tractor. I'm not sure what happened. But um, I recall telling her, and when I was telling her this story yesterday, she goes, I don't really remember it. So I'm thinking the grace of God saved her from any scarring. I'm hoping. <laughs> so she's having a tough go. And I, because I'm just so brilliant and wise, I said, this is not how foxes behave. I haven't even heard you say thank you for getting a second job and paying for your dance lessons. Yes, I said these things out loud to my daughter. And then I bring you to class. There are other things that I could be doing. It was totally unnecessary, but I made my point. So I feel like, you know what? She goes to dance class. There's a window, so I'm looking and I'm watching her dance. She's so graceful and uh, so committed to it. And it's as though, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I heard the Lord speak to me and he said, aren't you glad I don't talk to you that way? I wish I didn't have these illustrations to share with you. I really do. But I remember uh, the deep conviction of the Holy Spirit and afterwards, uh, it was like, immediate, we got out of the dance studio and, and I just confessed my sin to him I said, honey, that is no way for a daddy to talk to his daughter. I was wrong. Um, sorry if I hurt your feelings, will you please forgive me? And we prayed together and we moved on from that. And I think, um, though I'm not certain, I'd like to believe that since we're all a little bit flawed, we are going to make a mistake now and then. But if we confess, if we own up, if we ask for forgiveness, that maybe the wounds won't be quite as deep and they may not last quite as long. This is where you say, I'm fine, Dad. Okay, good. (laughs) You're so sweet. Gotta love that girl. Okay. Got through that one without crying. I didn't think that was gonna happen. Okay, so we keep watch over our own lives. The other thing that we do is keep watch over their lives. Keep watch over their lives. I mean, we're all called to help children connect the dots between wherever they are and the wisdom of God. We all have a responsibility to not just regurgitate information necessarily, but to help them move from independence from to greater dependence upon God. Sometimes we succeed at that. Sometimes we don't. There comes a time in every human's life where it's their responsibility. So I'm not saying carry the weight or guilt or shame if that doesn't happen. Here's where it's going to get a little dicey. Because nobody likes to get parenting counseling from somebody, some other parent. I mean, I get that. And, uh, but here's the thing. In, uh, in a church community, this is where life happens together. This is where life happens together. And so when you serve in children's ministry or student ministries, or you're part of each other's lives and you watch the kids grow up, if you see something where a child could potentially be bringing harm to themselves or another, we have to take the risk and say, look, um, Pam, your son is just really concerning me. You know, and just express. We have to take the risk that they might say, well, how many kids have you raised? And you say, none. And you know what I mean, and they'll freak out. But the thing is, we are all raising children and children that we need to protect. And encourage on their journey towards a deeper understanding of Jesus Christ. So I don't want to grow up. How do you never, ever grow up? You hang out with children. You protect the innocence of children. And number three, share in the faith of children. One of the things I love about the raw authenticity of Scripture is that even though we as humans want to make the disciples seem like saints, they're really messed up humans And it's very clear because they have been taught over and over and over again the honor that's to be shown to children, the blessing that's to be shown to children. This has been happening throughout uh, Christ's teaching. So Jesus leaves Galilee and heads to Judea, and uh, there's been some extensive teaching on children and their importance in the kingdom. And this would be a prime opportunity coming up for the disciples to show the master, the savior, and the king that they got it figured out. They're gonna get it right. Here's what happens. Crowds are gathering. This is what happens in Mark 10, verse 13. People, in some renderings, it says parents. Parents were uh, bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but look at how how good the disciples did. But the disciples rebuked them. They had been taught a couple of times How to treat children. Let me reread that, because it makes no sense in my opinion. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. You know, that's a cool word. I like the whole polysyllabic element of that thing. But let me tell you what he's, he's, he's saying here. Jesus was ticked off. Because the disciples didn't get it. He was angry because of what they did. He says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Then he goes on to say, this is fascinating. Truly, I tell you, anyone, anyone, that means anyone, he's not categorizing. He's saying anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Have you. Have you received the kingdom of God like a child? Or are you like some of us other Western intellectuals who have to have all the facts lined up, all your questions answered, everything crystal clear? Kids knew Jesus was the Messiah at the point of an encounter. I want to have that kind of faith. I hope that you would want to have that kind of faith. I looked over the text, you know, kind of front and back and sideways, thinking there's got to be a list here of the things that we have to do or the things that we have to know before we receive the kingdom of God. And there's nothing. Simply receive. Now, as adults, we think, well, i got to work for it. i got to get enough education to be qualified for it. i got to straighten up my life for it. No, simply receive. That's what Jesus is saying. One of the things I love about children in general is they're really pretty good about receiving stuff. Like you give them something and they don't argue with you. It's like, cool, I wish it was bigger. That's about all they say. I mean, it's fun times. It's good. Like every once in a while, when the six of us still lived under the same roof, we'd have enough money saved up where all of us could go out for dinner. It was a big deal. Big deal. Never one time did I hear from one of our precious little kids, hey, mom, pa, um, I think I'm going to sit this one out. I didn't do my chores today. I'm not worthy. You Never heard anything like that. It was just, yeah, let's go out. They never said, uh, you know, what do we owe you? They don't even do that much now. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They're very generous people. <laughs> wow. I am gonna have a long trip home. <laughs> So, and, and it's, uh, it's a great thing to watch your kids as we raise them. We talk about Jesus, point them to Jesus. They enter a relationship with Jesus. But at some point, it becomes their responsibility to, to maintain and to nurture, and to make choices about how they're going to live that out. And uh, But it's still a beautiful thing to see what simple faith they exercise to receive. Yep, he's the Messiah. And he's mine. So... To be marked like a child, I think we would be people who, who simply receive. No more assessing, well, I'm not, I'm not worthy because I've done this or I've done that. No more, well, I don't really know enough. I think it comes down to simple but powerful question. Is Jesus Christ who he says he is or is he not? Because if he is, we're forced to make some decisions. If he's not, great. The crazy thing is, though, and you've heard this before, if Jesus is who he claimed to be, and we have faith in him as Lord and Savior, we're granted not only eternal life, but empowerment to live the life well that we're in now. If Jesus is who he says he is and we deny him, where does that put us? Biblical terms, they would say lost, eternally lost. I would rather believe Christ is who he claims to be and be wrong than learn that he is who he claims to be and have decided not to follow him. Amen? Amen. Just receive.